0: I have a prize to the first person apart from Colleen and Gordon who can guess who I'm imitating. Just singing in the rain. Glorious day, I'm so happy. Well, can you... <laughs> stick to my day job, thank you. Um, this is my day job. Um, <coughs> anyway, uh, can, you, can you ever recall a time in your life... Just think for a minute and be honest with yourself. When you really couldn't just contain yourself, um, you were kind of overflowing with joy and happiness. Was that? On your wedding day. There you are. There you are. Um, uh, or you. Sh- in fact, I remember taking your wedding. She came dancing into the wedding. She was dancing. She wasn't just walking in solemnly like a kind of a bride or happily. She danced in. You know, um, and I don't know if you've ever burst into song in your life. You just sort of suddenly burst into song. Or you shouted at the top of your voice with joy. You know, those of you watching the World Cup, you'll see lots of people shouting at their voices with joy. Uh, Nobody say what has happened in the matches today, please. Just keep it all quiet. Especially Ray, if he's here. Um, The reason I say this and start like this is that this is the tenor of the passage that we're reading today. It's like the bursting of joy of scripture coming out um, in Scripture. It's uh, like, you know when you pass an exam and you're just so relieved and you're so happy? Or um, you got that job that you really wanted? Um, uh, something like that. It's sort of a prayer of yours has been fulfilled. You know, sometimes we pray for long and hard for a situation, don't we? And suddenly it becomes fulfilled in God's time. And we're so relieved and full of joy. That's the message of today. Um, So um, this particular meeting um, that we're looking at today between Elizabeth and Mary, you can put the next slide up if you like, Gordon, is just this um, Holy Spirit joy that filled both Mary and Mary. And Elizabeth. Each of them, of course, had something in common. Um, Elizabeth uh, was um, elderly, she was married, she'd been childless all her life, she was beyond childbearing age, she'd been praying with Zechariah, the scripture tell us, for a child, and suddenly the Lord was merciful to her, and she was carrying John the Baptist in her womb. And then there's Mary at the different end of the scale, probably about 13 or 14 or 15 years of age, just past puberty. She was betrothed but not married. And she was carrying, she'd been told she was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and carry the long-awaited Messiah. And she had hanging over her the fear of death because in that culture, if you had a child before you were betrothed, you were considered an adulteress and you could be stoned to death yet she still burst into song something uncontainable despite the circumstances she'd had this heavenly visitation and she was carrying the long awaited messiah you know when the holy spirit when the holy spirit comes into our life and intersects with our life there's no containing the joy. Charles Finney, who was a Presbyterian minister in America and was responsible with his preaching for the Second Great Awakening, he said this of his experience of being filled with the Spirit. He said, no words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. This captures the tenor of Mary's song. We're looking at this little series. Um, Christmas is worth singing about. Singing about, it's not thinking about. Singing about. Sorry, excuse my. Um, excuse my confusion today. <laughs> but um, it's Christmas is worth singing about. And um, Howard's doing a message on Zechariah's song, and Dennis is doing a, a message on the angels' songs. These were songs and. Utterances of praise that were given before the birth of Jesus. So, to our text, that's from Luke. Mary, as you know, had just been told that she was to conceive and bear a son miraculously by the Holy Spirit. And as if to encourage Mary, this young girl, the angel told her that her cousin... Elizabeth, who was in old age, was carrying a child. Now Elizabeth lived a hundred kilometers away in Judah and Mary went straight to Elizabeth. Probably a three day trip. And when she entered Elizabeth's home, the six month Baby, John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. Note, if you look at the scriptures carefully, the angel told Zechariah that John the Baptist would be filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. Now, Elizabeth herself, when the baby leapt, the Holy Spirit, it says in the Scriptures, the Spirit filled her, and she declared these great blessings over Elizabeth. Holy Spirit-inspired, but with knowledge, blessings full of exuberance and joy. The blessing um, that uh, she was amongst all women, the blessing of the child in her womb, and, of course, the blessing that Mary believed what the angel had said. She trusted in God. And Mary's response is a song that we know called the Magnificat. Have you heard that phrase before, the Magnificat? Magnificat means an utterance of praise. And that song has been translated into many, 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 many songs over the years. One of them that we sang last week is, Tell Out My Soul, The Glories of the Lord, comes from the Magnificat. Now, Mary's song, which we're going to look at in a little bit more detail, is divided into two parts. The first part is about Mary's deeply personal praise. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now, from all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation she was aware first and foremost of her really humble position he was mindful of my humble position she's just overwhelmed that god would choose her a peasant girl from galilee when she knew about all the amazing people in the Old Testament who carried special ministries, when she considered people like Noah and Abraham and Moses and Samuel and Esther and David and Elijah and Hezekiah, all these famous people who had carried ministries, who were famous, and here was this peasant girl from Galilee, chosen by God. And she was aware of her humble position. She was a nobody in the middle of nowhere. You know, a little bit later, the Pharisee said, could anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, St. Augustine, one of the church's greatest theologians, said of humility, said this, for those who would want to learn God's ways, humility is the first thing, humility is the second thing, and humility is the third thing. This, the, the, uh, another thing that she, was, um, that she praised about was, notice she said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, this wasn't a pride, prideful statement. Oh, I'm Mary. It wasn't that at all. She's simply referring to the fact that any call from God is a blessing. Any call from God is a blessing. Blessing just as she was obviously carrying the Messiah in her womb, what we need to know is that when God touches any human spirit, it is such a blessing. I love that hymn that Philip Brooks wrote, A Little Town of Bethlehem. And in it he says, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven the blessings of his heaven. And the cry in that hymn that we sing often at Christmas is, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Mary was aware of that blessedness of the call of God. But she was also aware of God's character towards her. The scripture says, for the mighty ones has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends from those who fear him from generation to generation. She, she talked about his mighty power. A human life had been created in a virgin's womb. Just pause and think about that. God can do anything. Absolutely Anything. There's nothing he cannot do. You know, he said to Mary, for with God, nothing is impossible. And I don't know what situation you're at in your life, but we need to remember that nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Secondly, she was aware of his holiness. You know, when God breaks into a person's life, like he did with Mary, the immediate response is, is the awareness of God's holiness and our great human difference. You remember when uh, Isaiah walked into the temple, it was probably a Sabbath and he was worshipping away and suddenly he encountered God in the temple. And this is what he said, there's no help for me, I'm doomed because every word that passes from my lips is sinful and I live amongst a people whose every word is sinful and yet with my own eyes I've seen the king I've seen the Almighty." We need a holy reverence for God. Ask for a more holy reverence for God. And the third thing is, she sung about or spoke about God's mercy. You know, the story of God is one of great patience. Just look at your own life. I look at my life and see the patience of God, how patient he is. Look how patient he was with Israel. Hundreds and hundreds of uh, years patiently waiting for his people to become who he intended them to be, and then he sent Jesus because they couldn't do it through the law. You know, Mary would have remembered the mercies of God towards that precocious little boy, Joseph, who used to go and tell his brother all these dreams that he had. She would remember um, his mercy towards um, the doubting and angry Moses who doubted God and got angry. She would have remembered God's mercy to the unbelieving Gideon, to the adulterous and murderous King David. She would remember God's mercies to the suicidal Elijah. She would remember God's mercies, and that's what she sung about. You know, the greatest of all characteristics that we as human beings need is God's mercy. You know, there's no way into the kingdom of God but on our knees. There's no way in. Pope John Paul II said this, apart from the mercy of God, there's no other source of hope for mankind, none. So first of all, Mary sung these very personal praises to God about His mercy towards her, His grace, His mighty power. And then what she does, she, she in the second part, she sings this thing, which is like a powerful prophetic declaration of what is to come. It's amazing. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down the rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich empty away. Note that although she says, he has done this, he has done this, he has done that, that's the way the prophets spoke. The prophets always talked about what God did in the past so they could foretell what he was about to do. And the reason for that is because God is I am. He's eternally present in every situation. He is the great I am. He never changes. So his mercies that he showed in the past, he will show again in the future. This was a declaration of what Mary was carrying in her womb. It's a declaration about the kingdom of God, of what Jesus' ministry was all about. William Barclay, the great um, commentator and preacher, pointed out that Mary made three, what we call, um, declares three great reversals. These reversals will turn the world that we know of it upside down because it's an upside down kingdom. First of all, Mary declares a moral reversal. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. You know, the Christian life must be the death of pride. A life lived without reference to God or dependence on God is a life of self-sufficiency and ultimately pride. I can do it by myself. I don't need God. Andrew Murray said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. The second great reversal was a social reversal. He has has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. Christianity puts an end to all the world's labels, all the world's gold medals, all the world's titles. Christianity puts away with all that stuff, all those things that we confer on people, honors and medals and titles, all those things, the kingdom of God does away with that. William Barclay, speaking, tells a beautiful story about a wandering scholar. He had been very rich in his life. His name was Muratus, in the Middle Ages, and he fell into great poverty and became extremely sick. He was taken to a hospital for beggars in his rags, the doctors started to discuss in Latin, thinking he couldn't understand them, that they were not going to treat him, they'd let him die because he was such a, in such a poor state and they would use his body parts for experiments. He looked up at them, and he said to this to them, in Latin, "Call no man worthless for whom Christ died. Call no man worthless." for whom Christ died. You know, when a person receives the forgiveness of God and the Holy Spirit comes to live within them, they are a daughter or a son of the king. There are no ranks in God's house. There are just sons and daughters. There's no gold medals in God's house. Just sons and daughters. And the third thing that uh, that uh, Mary um, recognized was this great economic reversal. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. This is not just a reference to finances, although it is important, and I'm going to speak about that. It's also a reference, actually, to people being spiritually poor. Um, it's a reference to... Um, those who are hungry for God are filled with good things. And the rich, those who don't need God, he's sent empty away. You know the, rich, the story of the rich young ruler? Oh, I do all of these things, Jesus. And he said, one thing you don't do, sell all your possessions and come follow me and you'll have, be in the kingdom of God. And he went away sad. He wasn't willing to give it up. But you know, also particularly at this time of year and in the age we're living in a community and a society without christ is a society where people just are out for themselves i'm going to amass all i can for myself to make myself comfortable and just enjoy life and the trouble with that is you end up trampling over lots of other people but a christian community a truly christian community is a community where a person in the community would rather not have too much while others have little one of the blessings of the christians life, a christian life is to be able to just give away to give away generously and strategically to other people you know the hallmark of the very first church was unlimited generosity This is what the scripture says in Acts chapter 2. Now all the believers were together and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and they divided them amongst anyone who had a need. So Mary made these two declarations, this personal declaration of her joy at being chosen, and then she made this prophetic declaration, and I want to leave us now with three takeaways that we could possibly consider. The Lord may be speaking to you in a particular way today, and I'd encourage you to hang on to that, but the first one is this. Could you write your own Magnificat? Could you sit down and spend some time today reflecting on what God has done in your life and write out your poem, your Magnificat to God and sing it out. Some people say, I'm not into singing. Well, speak it out. It actually, the scripture says, Mary spoke and said. It doesn't say sing. Could you write your own Magnificat? If you are a Christian and you have been born again, you can write a Magnificat just like that. The second thing is, the second takeaway, is this. Maybe you could think through some of the challenges about kingdom living that Christ brings to our lives. In your own life, you know, is there some pride in your life that needs humbling? Is there people that you kind of look down your noses at? Are there people in difficult economic circumstances um, and kind of you just, I don't want to be associated with them. Well, they're just the filth of the earth. I've I've heard people say these things. They're just filth. Jesus rolled his sleeves up and he sat with filth in their houses. He had meals with them. In fact, he called some of those to be his disciples. And we need to check our own um hearts i think about what jesus calls us to be um, another thing is do we have so much that we could actually help someone else out and say well i really don't need this i, I need to sell it and get the money and give it to you or whatever it is i think being generous particularly at this time of year, particularly when our nation is in such a struggle, just being generous um, uh, with, with people as we're able to. We're not to beat ourselves up, it's just what the Holy Spirit shows us to do. And I think the third thing is, the third thing is, is go on being filled with the Spirit. I think if you were to write your Magnificat, you'd be quite surprised what the Holy Spirit does in your life. I really do because Paul says, doesn't he, instead be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for these things. And I think if you do that, you know, it's an imperative. When Paul says um, be filled with the Spirit, the actual sense is choose to be filled with the Spirit. It's a choice, I mean, God does come to us supernaturally and miraculously, but also it's a choice to be filled with the Spirit. And I'd want to encourage you as the church, um, particularly at this time, at this Christmas time, to be filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of love and grace and um, gentleness and all those things which uh, God wants us to be. And I'm, I'm very conscious as I say this that there are three fingers pointing back at me all the time. Um, that's the preacher's prerogative, one figure forward and three back. So uh, I, I, just, I just need to make sure myself um, that I also challenge myself with these things. But why not have a go? Write your Magnificat. Why not post it online? Your Magnificat. Yours is unique. I found myself coming back from Auckland, um, visiting my grandson, um, developing my own magnificat in my heart, singing it, shouting it, because you can see where God has intersected with your life. Let me pray, and then I'm going to ask the team to come up and play us a song. Lord, you're so wonderful. We thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercies which are new every morning. Your mercies in creation, but your mercies, O Lord, to us. Lord, we pray that this Christmas time we would be wanting to sing about Christmas because it's so wonderful. Wanting to sing about the the baby in a manger. Jesus, who grew up, wanting to sing about what you've borne in our own hearts out of thankfulness and praise. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.